The Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, and I'm reading from verse 1. That's Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, and I'm reading from verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered... So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by the four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word and we thank you that in your word we discover so much about you and about your son Jesus Christ. And this morning, we pray that as we open your word, that you would speak to us. That you would open our minds and our hearts and our ears so that we can receive from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I've entitled this sermon, There's a Hole in the Roof. There's a Hole in the Roof. And we're looking at the story of Jesus uh, healing the paralytic in Mark chapter 2. And uh, the first thing that I notice when I, I look at this passage is, uh, is that there's a hole in the roof. And there's a hole in the roof where the friend drops in. There's a hole in the roof where the friend drops in. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by the four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they gave up and went home. Oh no, it doesn't say that, does it? Sorry, it doesn't say that. It says, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they said, we'll try again tomorrow. Doesn't say that either, does it? 
No, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they said, well, we tried. You never know what seeds may have been sown. (laughs) Actually, what they did do, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof. Shock. Horror. You're surprised. You're astounded. You might be thinking, we've never heard of anything like that before. We've never seen anything like that before. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof. The crowd's so huge, you guys should totally lower your friend through the roof. Says the roof repairman. <laughs> Never trust a roof repairman, I say. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. They had a, a whatever it takes attitude in getting their friend to Jesus. They had a whatever it takes attitude when it came to getting their friend to Jesus. I wonder how far we would go to get our friends to Jesus. And I wonder what sort of barriers we face when we're trying to bring our friends to Jesus. There's a sense in which the the first barrier that they faced was just the amount of people trying to get to Jesus. A barrier that we probably don't face today. Uh, It isn't the crowds coming into church on a Sunday morning that prevent uh, people getting to Jesus. In fact, if anything, it's the opposite. It's the fact that hardly anybody comes to church that is almost a barrier to people getting to Jesus. People don't go to church anymore. Have you noticed that? Some of you who are of a certain age will remember a time when everybody went to church, or it seemed that way. When churches were full, when uh, Sunday school, there was a Sunday school, it's still there, there's a Sunday school in Stockport with uh, the radical and original name, Stockport Sunday School. Imagine how many meetings they had to decide that. And uh, apparently, at one, at one time, they had over a thousand children going to that Sunday school. Um, I'm guessing today, although it's still going, I'm guessing they have nowhere near that amount because people no longer go. And it is a barrier, isn't it? It's a barrier because it's not what people do. So the first barrier that the friends faced was the crowds. The first barrier that we face is that there aren't any crowds. And it's difficult, isn't it, to get people to go to something that nobody else is going to. You know, everybody wants a ticket for the cup final, but trying to try to get people to a Burnley on a wet Tuesday night when they're playing Scunthorpe and nobody wants to go. Well, obviously one or two people want to go, but uh, there we go. How far would you go to get our friends to Jesus? And then, of course, the second barrier that they faced was the building itself. They couldn't get into the building. Uh, the building became a barrier to them bringing their friends to Jesus. And there's a sense in which our buildings are barriers, aren't they? 
Uh, people probably walk past Lum Baptist Church and drive past Lum Baptist Church and they might think, what goes on in that building? We can't see. Uh, I don't know about you, but some people don't like to go into a, a, a new building when they're not sure what the layout is, when they're not sure what they're going to find. We had somebody come into the coffee morning on Wednesday who's going to be taking photographs at a wedding in here, being held here in a couple of weeks' time. And when he walked in here, he kind of looked round and he said, wow, this isn't what I was expecting. It wasn't what he was expecting. And lots of people say that. They say it's about the worship group. Uh, they even say it's about the preacher. Um, if they come in here, it tends to be not what they're expecting, but there are barriers that they have to get through to get to that position. And, and I think the building is definitely a barrier. And uh, like many churches, uh, we are left with a building that was built, I don't know how many hundreds of years ago, but it, you know, we're, we're left with buildings that are not really fit for the purpose that we are trying to do today. We make, we make use of the building and, and don't get me wrong, this is better than a lot of church buildings. At least we've not got pews and, uh, and big pipe organs and, and roofs that are actually literally falling in. Uh, this story always amuses me because uh, when I first left uh, Spurgeon's College, I went to Rose Hill Baptist Church, which was at the time Hamilton Street Baptist Church, which is just in Burnley Town Centre, just outside Burnley Town Centre, and they literally had a roof that was caving in. You couldn't stand in the pulpit because it wasn't safe, because uh, plaster was literally falling off the ceiling. So this story always makes me smile when uh, the uh, friends made a hole in the roof. I've been in churches where you don't need to make in a hole, when you don't need to make holes in the roof. Uh, but maybe we do need to make holes in the roof. How far would you go to get your friends to Jesus? Do you have a whatever-it-takes attitude, or are you easily put off? Well, I, I invited them, but they didn't want to come. Uh, I asked them, and they said no. I tried. How far would you go to get your friends to Jesus? Do we need to make a hole in the roof so that friends can drop in? Do we actually need to make a hole in the roof so that friends can drop in? Do we need to be creative like the four friends in getting people to Jesus? There's a hole in the roof where the friend drops in. Secondly, there's a hole in the roof where faith seeps in. There's a hole in the roof where faith seeps in. When Jesus saw their faith. Interesting, isn't it? When Jesus saw their faith. When he saw that they had gone to the extreme. It's, a, it's extreme evangelism, this, isn't it? Extreme evangelism, making a hole in the roof. And Jesus was impressed because of their faith. There's a hole in the roof where faith seeps in. Bill Hybels, in his book, we looked at it a few years ago, just walked across the room and says this, I really believe the saving message of Jesus Christ. I don't just preach it. I honestly believe that every wayward person I know would live a vastly better life if God's love, grace and redemption were operating in their lives. Do you believe this too? Do we really believe that Jesus can change people's lives? 
The friends obviously thought by bringing their friend to Jesus that he would be able to transform his life. I wonder whether part of our problem in getting people to Jesus is a problem or a crisis, should I even say, of faith. Dare I suggest that you and I do not have the same faith for those friends? Dare I suggest that we don't actually believe that even if we could get past the barriers, whether it's the lack of crowds or buildings, even if we could get people here, do we really believe that Jesus could change their lives? We all know people, don't we? Whose, let's face it, we know people whose, whose lives are not, have not turned out how they wanted to. We know people in even worse situations. We know people whose, whose lives are in a mess. Let's be honest. You and I have got friends, family maybe even, whose lives are in, in a mess. And yet, although in one sense we probably pray for them and uh, we might even invite them, how hard do we actually try to get them to Jesus? Do we really believe that if we could get them to Jesus, that he would actually be able to transform and change their lives? Because if we did, dare I suggest we might try a little bit harder. And I'm including myself. I'm not just talking about you. I'm including myself in this. How hard do I try to get people to Jesus? Do we really believe that Jesus can change people's lives? Do we need to make a hole in the roof where faith seeps in? Do we need to make a hole in the roof of our understanding and belief where that faith seeps in and we once again believe that Jesus can transform people's lives? So there's a hole in the roof where faith seeps in and Jesus is impressed by their faith. And then thirdly, there's a hole in the roof where forgiveness flows in. There's a hole in the roof where forgiveness flows in. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. You weren't expecting that, were you? That's not why the three friends, or four friends rather, brought their friend to Jesus so that his sins could be forgiven, was it? They brought their friend to Jesus because he couldn't walk. And they thought Jesus could do something about it. And Jesus takes everyone by surprise. He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. I wonder whether the greatest need in our society is for people to have their sins forgiven. I wonder whether that's still the greatest need in our world today. For people to have their sins forgiven. You see, what Jesus does is, the first word, son, brought him into the family. He calls the paralytic son. He wouldn't have been a member of the family simply because of his physical disability. He would have been seen as an unclean person, an outsider. And the friends are bringing an outsider inside and Jesus is welcoming him. He calls him son, 
And that brought him into the family. The second word he uses, forgiveness, brought him into fellowship. Jesus forgave this man's sins and therefore re-established his place within the community of God's people. He basically said, this man is clean. How amazing is that? You see, there's a hole in the roof where forgiveness flows in. Now, some of the Pharisees, not everybody was happy about this hole in the roof thing. Presumably the person who owned the house wasn't particularly happy about it. Maybe the people who the little bit of uh, roofing fell on their heads, maybe they weren't happy about it, you know, the sort of thing. You're there, you've come to hear Jesus and the person behind, beside you starts making a noise or there's a, a, a bit of a, 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 and you're not happy. Now some of the Pharisees are sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Let's just pause there for a moment. The Pharisees were absolutely correct in their theology. Absolutely spot on. Nobody could forgive sins except for God. Let's give a round of applause to the Pharisees' theology. Come on, let's hear it. So many preachers give the Pharisees a bad time, don't they? Their theology is absolutely correct. Nobody can forgive sins except for God. They were right in their thinking. The real miracle is that Jesus is able to forgive this man's sins. That's the real miracle. Most people would concentrate and be amazed by what is to happen next. But the real miracle, the Pharisees recognize the problem. Who does this man think he is? Who does this man think he is? Only God can forgive the sins. They were onto something, weren't they? Who does this man think he is? What's he doing? There's a hole in the roof where forgiveness flows in. Tom Wright says in his book, Luke for Everyone, we shouldn't be surprised that Jesus' unexpected declaration of forgiveness sent shockwaves through the house. The hole in the roof was nothing compared with the hole he was tearing through an entire way of life. The friends had made a hole in the roof, but Jesus' declaration that he was going to forgive this man's sins was making an even bigger hole in their understanding, their thinking, their faith, and their theology. And they didn't like it. And let me tell you too, You won't like it if anybody like me or somebody else starts to make a hole in the roof of your theology and thinking. Come along to Cafe Church tonight. We might just do that. There's a hole in the roof where forgiveness flows in. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. Does that worry anybody? That Jesus immediately knows what you're thinking 
People beside you might know, not know what you're thinking. Your closest friends and family might not know what you're thinking. But Jesus knows you. He knows you intimately. He knows you completely. And he knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're thinking. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Why are you thinking these things? Is it easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk? It's a rhetorical question. Jesus wasn't expecting an answer. Uh, But everybody knows it's much easier to say your sins are forgiven because we can't see that. There's no way of knowing, is there? Uh, they're questioning the, Jesus' ability to be able to do that. Uh, if this man gets up and walk, everyone can see it. Does this passage of scripture frighten you? It should do, really. You know, it scares it scares the living daylights out of me. That the the religious Bible believing, thinking, faithful people get it so wrong. That always scares me because whether we like it or not, and the round of applause for the the Pharisees, although it was tongue-in-cheek, you know, we are the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law. You and I are the Bible-believing people who are trying to live by what God has said and by what God has spoken. We are those people. And in Jesus' day, those people got it. They didn't just get it a little bit wrong. They got it completely wrong. They, they missed by a mile. They didn't recognize God when he was present amongst them. And that scares me. That scares me because they were so concerned about, about keeping to every single article and dot and, and crossing every T in the letter of the law that they missed God when he stood in front of them. And if we are so obnoxious that we think that we might not fall into the same trap. The only people we are kidding is ourselves. Which is easier? But that you may know. I like that. You know, Jesus can see that these people are not with him. You can always sense when the people are not with you. You don't have to be that clever. You, you, you can sense when people are, are with you or whether they're for you or against you. People don't have to be applauding or booing and hissing to, you to, to know whether they, they're with you or against you. You can tell, and Jesus can tell what the problem is. But he says, how kind is he? But that you may know. He wants these people to know. He wants people to know who he is. He wants people to see who he is. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins... He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Jesus proves who he is, not just by what he says, but by what he does. Jesus proves who he is, not just by what he says, but by what he does. There's a hole in the roof where forgiveness flows in. The paralytic, he got up, he took his mat and he walked out in full view of them all. Although we're familiar with the story, just try and put yourself in that room. You're not expecting, you thought you'd come to hear, you know, Jesus preach and teach. Maybe you thought you might see a 
a few miracles, but you, you weren't really expecting this. A hole in the roof, a man lowered down, sins forgiven, an argument about, about blasphemy, and then this amazing miracle, and the guy gets up and he walks out. And you could probably cut the tension in the room with a knife. There's a hole in the roof where forgiveness flows in. Isn't it interesting that forgiving somebody could cause so much upset? Interesting, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I've been, I've been terribly impressed uh, by the families and, and in some cases the parents of some of the victims of the recent atrocities. I don't know if you saw one of the, uh, the young lad's mother being interviewed on, on television this week. Um, she'd had a, a tattoo, uh, you know, with the with the B on and and uh, and and stuff on, and uh, and she said, I, I, "I forgive the person that's done it." And it's like, you know, this isn't how you're supposed to act. You, you're supposed to be angry. You're supposed to be annoyed. You're not supposed to forgive. You're supposed to want to to hit back. And the power of forgiveness and the release that you could sense in that woman, um, that although, you know, her life's been absolutely turned upside down by an awful tragedy that she'll have to live with for the rest of her life, you could sense in that woman that something had happened in, the, in giving her the ability to forgive. And forgiveness is such a powerful thing. It will upset some people. Some people will not be glad that some of the families are saying we should forgive these people. Some people will be up for a fight and wanting revenge and wanting to, to you know, we want justice, we want to get these people. Uh, let's, let's, you know, we, you know the rhetoric from a few years ago, let's declare a war on terrorism, let's fight it. Um, no, let's forgive it. Because forgiveness is such a powerful thing. And uh, when you release forgiveness, you are releasing the power of God in people's lives and in your own life. There's a hole in the roof where forgiveness those flows through. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. We have never seen anything like this. And this is a response to God at work. Uh, people are amazed. It causes people to praise God. And they say, we've never seen Anything like this. Their recognition that God was up to something new is in stark contrast to the attitude of the scribes. You see, the scribes were the people that had all the answers. They thought they knew what God was about. They thought they knew who God was. They thought they knew what you had to do to get into and remain in a relationship with God. And they could not recognize what God was doing, even when he was doing it right before their eyes in the same room that they were in. They couldn't see it. They were blind to what God was doing. The roof was off. There was no ceiling to God's grace and forgiveness. They probably weren't even happy that this man had been healed and restored. And they certainly weren't happy that he was being forgiven. And it does raise a question, doesn't it? 
Are there some people, you know, that we don't particularly want God to be, to forgive because we don't like what they've done? Are there some people that we don't want God to forgive because we don't like the kind of lifestyles that they lead and we may not agree with them? Forgiveness is a dangerous thing, isn't it? When we start going around forgiving people, it can cause so much upset. It can cause disagreements. It can cause disharmony. The very act of, of, of forgiving people can cause disunity. Because not everybody might agree. But the roof was off. There was no ceiling to God's grace and forgiveness. Do we need to make a hole in the roof so that forgiveness can flow? Do we need to think again about maybe the people that we think are unforgivable? Do we need to allow God to make a hole in the roof of our forgiveness? There's a hole in the roof where forgiveness flows in. So, three things. A hole in the roof where friends drop in. And maybe we need to make a hole in the roof so that our friends too are able to drop in. There's a hole in the roof where faith seeps in. And maybe we need to make a hole in the roof so that our faith can be renewed, rekindled, uh, set alight again. And there's a hole in the roof where forgiveness flows in. And you do need to make a hole in the roof to allow forgiveness to flow in. It doesn't always come naturally. But this is what Jesus was about. This is who Jesus was. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, we've already pulled out that people do want to see more people coming in. Uh, but if we want to see that, you know, we might have to make a hole in the roof. It may involve changing the way that we do things to enable others to have the same access that we have. So do come along to the church meeting if you can. Come along to Cafe Church tonight if you can. And uh, let's make a hole in the roof so that people can get in. So that our faith can be built up. And so that forgiveness can really flow to everybody.